brother, now I got to get up and preach after that. Come on now. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles uh, this morning, and I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. <coughs> you to forgive me, I choked on my own spit earlier. <laughs> Sorry, that's gross, but that's what I'm dealing with right now. Matthew chapter 6, I hope that you'll turn there with me. Um, and this morning we're going to look at um, how to fast properly. We've been talking about fasting and what that looks like. Now we're going to get into basically a two-week study because not only are we going to talk about it this morning, we're also going to talk about it uh, next week as well. Now the good news is next Sunday after we get done talking about fasting and the purpose behind it, we're going to eat together. So there is some joy behind that. But this morning I, don't ha- I can't give you lunch, but I can help you to see that there is a proper way to fast and there's a way to fast sinfully. I don't know if you knew that to be the case, but it is true. And in Matthew chapter 6, we are pointed to that. In the midst of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' prolonged teaching uh, where he shows us what it means to walk in righteousness and what it means to look like a disciple and a follower of his. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, 17, and 18, Jesus teaches on fasting and the proper motivation behind it. I don't know if you know this uh, right off the bat, but you can actually do spiritual disciplines in a way that is sinful. What I mean by that is you can read the Bible sinfully. Did y'all know that? You can actually actually read the Bible and as you do it, do it sinfully. You can pray sinfully. Did you know that? You can actually pray in a sinful way. Did you know that you can worship in a sinful way? Do you know that? See, these are things that we don't think of. And in fact, fasting is another spiritual discipline that we can do sinfully. And Jesus points it out. Why? Because he wants us to approach him. He wants us to approach the Father in the right way and under proper motivation. And so in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 through 18, we look at why Do we fast? Why do we read the Bible? Why do we pray? What is the proper way to do it? And I want you to remember that in this entire chapter, chapter 6, you actually have three pictures of key disciplines that Christians are a part of and practice and that each one requires there to be a proper motivation behind it. We see it in the first section of chapter 6 where Jesus teaches on giving to the needy. Then we see it in the second section starting in verse 5 where Jesus teaches on prayer and how to do that properly. And then finally in verse 16 how to fast properly. And we're going to see some commonalities between them that I want to show you. So Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 16. If you're physically able, I'm going to ask you to stand up with me. As we read and honor of God's word, I want to treasure this together and be grateful that we can actually read God's word in our own language this morning. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 16. Here's what Jesus says. He says, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret 
will reward you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I love you. I thank you for this morning, the opportunity we have to open your word and to study it. I pray that you would help us to see the proper motivation behind fasting. And Lord, that we might do it for your glory. Help us to learn how to follow after you better and how to serve you better. Father, teach us that Jesus is the only hope we have in glorifying you. And Father, I pray you'll feed your sheep this morning by your word. I ask you to do all this so that we might hate sin more and love you more. We ask it all in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated for just a moment. So we're going to look at sinful fasting. And Jesus begins his discussion and teaching on fasting by pointing out that it actually can be done sinfully. In chapter 6, verse 16, I want to point out a few things to you. Notice he says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. And so he shows us an improper fasting, or how to fast in an ungodly way. He says, When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. So Jesus presents to us this hypothetical of someone who may be fasting, and that this fasting may look gloomy. He starts out by showing us that there are those who are fasting in order to uh, draw attention to themselves. Now, here's the thing. Fasting was part of Jewish life. Normally, it took place once a year. Uh, in the Old Testament, they would fast on the Day of Atonement, uh, the day they would go and make sacrifice for all the people. Uh, we find out later in Luke chapter 18 that fasting was part of Jewish life to the point where they would fast twice a week. Uh, here... I want you to notice that when Jesus teaches on fasting, he tells us, when you fast, do not look gloomy. What is the implication there? That you will, as a disciple, fast. He doesn't say if you fast. He says when you fast. So I want you to notice that Jesus is teaching us here and what we look at next week, Matthew chapter 9, he's going to expand on it. But Jesus is teaching us that fasting is going to continue to be part of a relationship with him. Being his disciple is going to include fasting. Fasting is expected to take place. But proper fasting is what matters above all. Because it's not just the outward activity of fasting that matters it's the heart behind it. He says, when you fast, do not look gloomy. That word gloomy means do not look sad. So why would someone fast and try to look sad while they were doing it? Self-glorification? What's that? Pity? Pity? All right, let me, share a, let me share a personal example with you. Um, when I, as a teenager, I could be manipulative. I know that shocks you, right? That's just so strange, so foreign. But teenage Jason could be a little manipulative. Uh, and one of the things that I would do is, you know, when you're a teenager, a lot of times, I and mean, it's not so much today, but back when I was a teenager, you wanted to go hang out on the weekends, right? You wanted to go hang out with your friends. Your friends were going to go get together somewhere. You wanted to go be a part of it. And so that was the key part. The whole week, 
was just anticipating the fact that on Friday night you're going to go hang out with your friends. And the worst thing that could ever happen would be that you would get to Friday and for some reason you couldn't. And sometimes it was because I had acted up and not done what I was supposed to, all right? So just so you know, a couple of times in my teenage years, I got punished for not doing what I was supposed to. And so I remember there was a specific weekend my friends were going to go bowling. I remember, does anybody, does anybody go bowling anymore? But I did. I wanted to go bowling with my friends on a Friday night. And I was in trouble because I had acted up. And so I was told I couldn't go bowling with my friends. Man, right? The whole week is shot. Now I'm going to have to go through a whole nother week just to get to the fun part again. But I wasn't going to give up. I wasn't going to go quietly. And so I don't know if you've ever done this or seen your children or your grandchildren do this. But when they want to get their way on something, sometimes, verse 16, they will look gloomy. So here's what I would do if I was in trouble and I couldn't go out on a Friday and I'm stuck at the house. Guess what Jason did? All right. And I remember, I remember this weekend vividly that my friends were going bowling. I wanted to go bowling so bad, but I had gotten in trouble. And my family was all in the living room watching a movie, hanging out. And so I would, I would go to my room. And then about five minutes later, after I waited for a little bit, I'd come back out. And I'd come into the living room. And I would just sit there and breathe heavily and look as pitiful as I could. Like, man, nobody knows the pain I feel. And then I'd get up. After I see it, it didn't take any effect. I'd have to go restart, right? Because you've got to restart it. I'd go back to my room. Wait five minutes, come back out. And the whole time, all I'm trying to do is what? Get my way, and how am I going to get my way? I'm going to pout, but pouting does no good unless what takes place? Unless they notice. Doesn't do, it doesn't do any good for me to go to my room and pout. Nobody's in there to see it. So I would come out, and I, I'm, I'm telling you now, now that I think back on it, pretty obnoxious, right? Pretty, pretty, you know what I mean? Like, thankfully my parents at some point just had some grace to not tell me you're being pathetic. But I was, but I was trying, oh, I was just trying to look as miserable as possible. Just so you know, that weekend it worked. I wore them down, man. I looked so pitiful, and I did it so many times that eventually they're just like, you know what, just go. I can't look at this anymore. Cha-ching! Got it. Sometimes it didn't work. But the whole point of being gloomy, the whole point of having my sad countenance, which is what this word means, is that I would what? I would draw attention to myself so that someone might notice me. Right? and act on the way I wanted them to. Notice here he says, when you fast, do not be gloomy like the hypocrites. So it is possible that you could fast, and while you're fasting, do it in a way as to draw attention, not to God, or not to seek after God, 
but to do it because you want what? You want everyone to turn and look at you. And so they would be as gloomy as possible, but it doesn't stop there. They're not just gloomy. Notice what it says. Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. Right, by the way, does everybody know what a hypocrite is? Yeah, or look in the mirror, right? Every single one of us. But what a hypocrite means is someone who changes their appearance. It was, it was a theatrical term. It was used for someone who would take off one mask and put on another to play a different role. That's where the word comes from. So he says there are people who would fast hypocritically. They would put on a mask to draw attention to themselves in a great performance. And how did they do it? For they disfigure their faces. They try to look as pitiful as possible to draw attention to themselves so people would look at them for what reason? That their fasting may be seen by others. Now, why would someone want to be the center of attention while they're fasting? Look religious, right? And not only look religious, Mike, but if you're all looking at me and how religious I am, what's that say about you? Hmm. Too bad you guys aren't as holy as me, right? Look at me, I'm pathetic, right? Look, look at me being so spiritual. Man, I'm, it's just too bad you're not that spiritual. See, when they're fasting, what is their goal? Their goal, the hypocrites, are to fast in a way to make people look at them and go, wow, what a spiritual giant. And by the way, that's exactly what they wanted you to say. Look at how great I am spiritually. Look how devoted I am to God. Don't you wish you were like me? That's what we call sinful fasting. That is fasting not for God, but for our own glory. So that people will think that we are hyper spiritual. Oh, listen, I know this is crazy that people would do this, right? That people would do outward spiritual activity to make themselves feel more spiritual than other people. So they'll look at him and go, man, aren't you super Christian? Oh, wait. We do it, we do it constantly. And there is the temptation to do that constantly. To constantly want to draw attention to ourselves. To lift ourselves up as super spiritual. So other people will look at us and do what? You are so holy. Jesus calls that a hypocrite. Someone who wears a mask to produce something that will be a pat on the back for themselves. Woo. See, we got to be careful that we don't turn these good gifts of God into ways to try and boost our own self-righteousness and to make other people think that we are holier than we are. And just so you know, we as Christians can fall into that so easily. We can start judging people based off what we see outwardly and start determining, okay, who are the spiritual ones and who are the not spiritual ones? It is possible to look really holy and to be doing it in sin. We have to be careful. We have to guard our own. Remember, Jesus is teaching his followers what they are to look like. And one thing that we need to be aware of is that fasting is a great gift of God. But if we are fasting to draw attention to ourselves or to make people think we're super spiritual, we are doing it sinfully. And Jesus says that is not 
how we are to do it. In fact, he commands us. He says, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. That's a command. So Jesus says there's a proper way to fast. And I would say there's a proper way to do all the disciplines. There's a proper way to read the Bible. You can read the Bible in a sinful way. You can read the Bible to try to get God to say what you want him to say. We can twist the Bible. We can read the Bible to try and manipulate God. I read the Bible this morning. God, you've got to do some good stuff for me now. Really? We can pray sinfully. We can go to God praying, not that his will would be done, but that God would be the genie that we've been looking for who we put our 10 cents in and he cranks out a gift for us. We can actually pray to God, not because we want him to be seen as glorious, but because we want him to be our companion who does our bidding for us. We have to be careful that we don't fast in that manner, that it's not just simply about outward activity. What God cares about is the heart. Notice he says that they do this so that their fasting may be seen by others. He says, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. If you're fasting to draw attention to yourself or to make yourself look more spiritual or to get the praise of men, guess what? That's all you get out of it. He says you ha- they have their reward. They've received it. That word received means in full, to completion. There's nothing left to expect as a result. That's, I think that's Jesus' way of saying if you want the praise of men, if that's why you're after it, then that's all you're going to get is the praise of men. You're not going to receive what he says next. So he says that's how hypocrites do it. They fast sinfully. Verse 17, but, okay, so that tells you that he's about to contrast what he just showed you. So the hypothetical situation of the one who fasts, gloomy, drawing attention to themselves, looking for the praise of men, Jesus is going to contrast that. He says, but when you fast, again, the expectation is that you will fast as a follower of Jesus. He says, anoint your head and, your, and wash your face. By the way, those are both commands. This is how you are to properly fast. If the first verse, verse 16, was ungodly fasting that was looking for selfish attention of men, Godly fasting is different. And he says, anoint your head and wash your face. Does anybody know what those were related to? Theologians disagree slightly. Some believe that anointing your head and washing your face were a symbol of exuberant joy. Being really, really joyous. But there are other theologians that say, no, anointing your head and washing your face was just general hygiene for the day. That's how you looked clean. That's how you looked normal. So I think, and I I tend to lean that direction. I believe what Jesus is saying is that when you fast, look like every other day. When you fast, don't draw attention to yourself. Clean yourself up like you normally would and live the day like you normally would. That true godly fasting is not about bringing attention to yourself, but actually look normal while you're doing it. And the whole purpose behind it, he says in verse 18, that your fasting may not be seen by others, not to draw attention to yourself, not to try and receive the praise of men. But in contrast, he says that your fasting may be seen by your father, that your fasting would draw God's attention, not others. So godly fasting is one that seeks the Lord, one that seeks an audience with the father. One that seeks to be satisfied in him, not the praise of men. By the way, we're told our Father who is in secret. 
right? This isn't out in front of everybody. God works behind the scenes. And he tells us, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So while the hypocrites fast to draw attention to themselves, to declare themselves as righteous and better than other people, and that's the reward they're going to get. Those who fast in a godly manner, those who fast not to draw attention to themselves, but to seek the Father, we're told that the Father who is in secret will reward you. And just so you know, the reward of the Father is far better than the praise of men. What God gives is far greater than what anyone else can give. And just so you know, what is the reward? Well, in other places you see Paul talk about the reward of God is the inheritance that he has for us. You know what your reward is? You get Jesus. You get God. That's your reward. Now, there's not a lot of, not a lot of patting on the back going on there, but that is far greater than the temporary adulation you get from men. To know that God sees and that he is pleased with you. That you are acceptable to him and that your fasting is acceptable to him. That is far greater than any reward we could ever get from any person. And we have to remember as Christians that it is so easy to fall back into desiring the praise of men over the praise of God. And this is not just in fasting, but notice in chapter 6, there's a common theme. When he talks about giving to the needy, he says the same thing. He mentions the hypocrites. He mentions that they receive their reward in full, verse 2. And that instead, Christians are to be giving in secret, verse 4. Why? So that the Father who sees in secret will reward you, chapter 6, verse 4. He says the same thing about prayer, right? Not to do it for the praise of men. He says in verse 6 that the Father who sees in secret will reward you. So what God is teaching us is that in everything we do in devotion to Jesus, it should all be done not to draw attention to ourselves, but it's to be done because we love God that much and we trust that he will reward those who seek after him rightly. So what I'm saying is, one, I believe Jesus teaches that fasting is part of being a follower of Jesus. Now, he doesn't tell us how often we're to do it. He doesn't say that they're all supposed to look the same. But just so you know, there seems to be from chapter 6 an expectation that followers of Jesus will fast. And again, we're going to see that next week intentionally in in chapter 9. So I want you to notice, and just so you know, I haven't done great at this either. That oftentimes fasting gets cast aside as something that doesn't matter or that's not even in play anymore. But I want you to know that fasting is a great gift God gives his people to increase our appetite for himself. But when we do fast, we must consider the reason for it. And just so you know, fasting should never be under compulsion. It should never be because someone told you to do it. Like, as a church, I'm going to urge us in 2021 to fast and to to pray and to seek God. But you don't have to. It's not mandated. It should never be under compulsion. It should be because we love God and we want to pursue him in that way. Also, it's not for show. We don't fast so we can look pitiful in front of people. The... The most important consideration in fasting is that we do it out of a love for God. We do it because we want to be acceptable to him. We do it because we want to do those things that increase our appetite for him. 
And so we need to make sure that we're fasting under right compulsion. And let's be honest, as Christians, we're going to continue to struggle. This is going to be hard because everything in us wants to seek the approval of people. Everything in us wants to get the pat on the back and the claps. But a walk with Jesus is an intentional love of him above love of the praise of men. A love for God that surpasses anything that this earth, this world could ever offer to us. So we must purposefully live for the glory of God in everything. We have to examine our hearts regularly to see why am I doing what I'm doing? And I mean not just in fasting, but in everything we do. Listen, if you come to church for a pat on the back, or if you come to church in the hopes that God will love you more because you did, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. We gather together as the people of God, or should, because we love God and we love each other. And we want to, exp- we want to display that to everyone. If you're giving money to the church in the hopes that people will see and give you a pat on the back or applause, or if you're giving in the hopes that God will repay you in some way, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. We give not so we can get something out of God. We give because we love him and we recognize that everything we have comes from him. We do it out of worship. We need to make sure that when we worship, we're doing it not so people will notice us, not so people will draw, draw their attention to us and go, man, they're super spiritual. We worship because we love God supremely and we want him to be the boast of our lives. So out of, John chapter, out, of, out of Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 through 18, I believe we see what sinful fasting looks like. Don't look gloomy. Don't draw attention to yourself. Don't do it for the praise of men. But instead, do it in secret. Do it where your father sees because he will reward you and his reward is far greater. Everything we do as Christians should be for the glory of God and for his praise alone. And in the end, if people do see us acting and worshiping our God, may it not be because we've done something special to draw attention to ourselves. May we do it, may it just simply be because they see us living lives that honor Jesus and they want to give God glory for it. Everything we do should be about his praise above ours. Whether we fast, whether we go to church, whether we give, whether we pray, may it all be done to glorify him. But here's the thing, you must be in Jesus to glorify God. You understand? You you must be trusting in Jesus to truly glorify God. If you're not trusting in Jesus, then church attendance does not do anything for you. It doesn't matter. If you're not in Christ, that doesn't get you any closer to him. Praying doesn't get you any closer to him. Giving doesn't get you any closer to him. Teaching Sunday school doesn't get you any closer to him. If you're not trusting in Jesus, it is all outward religious activity that does nothing to rescue you from the depths of your sin. Only Christ alone and his death on the cross for your sin can make you right before God. And when that's true, when you're trusting in Jesus, guess what? All of your activity can be to the glory of God. Your fasting, your worship, your praying, your giving, all of it because you're in Christ can be done to give God ultimate glory and not ourselves. So the number one thing is not fast more or give more. The number one thing is trust in Christ alone. Believe that his death on the cross is sufficient to pay for your sin. 
and then celebrate the fact that he rose again from the grave to show his power and his acceptable sacrifice. Do it for his glory. And then, as a Christian, when you're trusting in Jesus, do everything so that Christ is lifted high. Do it because he's just that glorious, and do it because you love him. Listen, God doesn't love us more because we go to church. God doesn't love us more because we give or pray. God loves us consistently the same, an abundant love that never deteriorates. May that be the motivation for why we do what we do. Not to garner his favor, but because he's already given it. Live your life trusting in Christ for his glory so that others would see the good that he brings and the salvation he alone brings to the human heart and they might trust him too. May everything we do be for Christ and our love for him. Would you pray, for, uh, pray with me? Heavenly Father, I love you and I thank you that you've done everything necessary to rescue us. Father, you're not asking us to do more you're not asking us to participate our own in our salvation. God, all you're doing is calling upon us to trust and believe in what Christ has already done. And Father, so often we as people can believe that being right with you is a matter of doing the right things. Father, there are people who spend years in church, years under preaching, years uh, in Sunday school who are doing it simply because they hope that those activities will make them acceptable to you. And Father, I pray that you would show us clearly this morning that no amount of activity can rescue our souls. No amount of Christian work can make us right before you. God, you're not asking us to do that. You're asking us to trust completely in the finished work of Jesus. And so, Father, I pray this morning that if there's anybody here or listening to this who is trusting in their own religious activity to make them right, Father, that you would show them that they can never do enough good work to pay for their sin. Instead, God, you're calling them to trust completely in the finished work of Jesus on the cross who bled and died to pay the penalty for our sin. And Father, may they trust in him alone. May they turn away from sin and turn to Jesus and seek forgiveness that is found only in him. And then, Father, those who have trusted in you, may they live lives to bring you glory above all else. Father, help us as Christians guard us, God, from the desire and the lure to want to get the praise of men for what we do. God, help us to not do religious activity in the hopes that people will see how great we are and pat us on the back. But Father, may we fast, may we pray, may we worship, may we study your word simply because we love you, simply because we want you. Father, you tell us that that ultimately glorifies you. So, Father, guard our hearts as Christians and help us to seek your glory above our own. Father, I pray this morning for those who are struggling, whether it be with sin, whether it be with grief, sorrow. Father, whatever it is that you're bringing into the lives of people, I pray that we will turn our trust completely to Jesus and rest in him. Father, that in this place you would find people who are dedicated together to the glory of Christ. And Lord, Lord we're going to give you all the praise. Because you're the only one that can change hearts 
to honor you. Father, every testimony in this room of people who have been changed, it's for your glory. And so, Lord, I pray that we would live our lives not seeking attention for ourselves, but simply to point people to our God. And we'll, we'll thank you and we'll give you praise for it. Father, as a church, may we not exist for outward activity. May we exist to devote ourselves to our King and to proclaiming his goodness everywhere we go. May you be honored by what takes place when we gather. And Father, may we point people to you. May we point people to the saving grace found only in Jesus. Father, I thank you that you have loved us supremely and given everything so that we can glorify you. May you receive honor and praise from our lives. We ask it all in Jesus' name.